Hi everyone, welcome to Frankly, the energy podcast for founders. I'm your host, Siobhan Clark, where I'll be dealing it straight to you from entrepreneurs who have scaled and failed, investors who are passionate and seen it all, and leading tech voices that are looking to build moonshots to change the way we live. Welcome everybody to Frankly, episode six. We've got a really exciting conversation here. Clearly that growing companies is about getting to this essence of performance as an individual, but also about this essence of performance together, about working together in order to be able to achieve a common goal. And we're really, really excited about two of today's guests. As usual, one of those internally from within Launchpad, Ilya, um, entrepreneur in his own right, also involved with Gin, and he's a growth partner in portfolio companies. I'm also really, really pleased to be joined by Ben Hunt Davis. So. You know, checking through a few of your YouTube videos, Ben, you know, and I may get the numbers wrong. So, you know, please, please tell me. Three Olympic Games, national road team for nine years, six world championships, round about 2012, will the boat go faster, about mindsets and practices for team performance. Some really wonderful things I've seen coming from some of those YouTube videos. Getting curious about the recipe, useful habit building, focusing on what's important in this belief building. I think this is going to be a really interesting chat here today. Ben, do you want to say hello to our audience of founders and investors and other things like that? Thank you very much for that introduction, Siobhan. Ilya, good to be working with you today as well. And uh, welcome to all of you listeners. As Siobhan said, I mean, I've, I've kind of been involved in performance for quite a long time now, either kind of originally trying to work out how to make my own boat go faster and then three Olympic Games after I finished competing trying to work out how to help other people make their boats go faster and now uh, with my organization working with companies around the world try and help them make their boats go faster so I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing what uh, support I can give to you all today. Ben, this is an opportunity to say that uh, when you were part of that historic Sydney Olympic men's eight I was uh, a wee lad tuning in in the early morning of the hours as I was quite a keen rower in my youth uh, so like pushing your body and mind to the limit knowing there's a finish line out there somewhere not being able to actually see it because you're going backwards I think all of that prepares someone really well for a career in entrepreneurship so uh, really looking forward to this discussion and maybe Ilya just say a little bit for our listeners as well about who you are how you came into Launchpad because I think there's a number of common sports themes that you and I have had uh, you know, the old conversation down the pub about, you know, how, what's this linkage between sports, between performance and between founders kind of growing as well? Yeah, so as Siobhan has said, I was sort of budding sportsman in my spare time, but professionally had a sort of career in academic research and entrepreneurship, founded my own business, and then applying and putting these skills together and helping our portfolio companies grow. What we see is interesting from a launchpad point of view, we work very closely to support our portfolio companies. But at the end of the day, we're not the ones out there playing and out there on the field. So getting that balance right of how hands-on you are and making sure that you're empowering and growing the companies to succeed, but knowing that you can, you're only there for the preparation step rather than the performing step. And I'm sure, Ben, uh, you come across plenty of coaches who pull their hair out when things don't haven't gone to plan and the team doesn't execute the strategy that you all thought you'd agreed and spend years preparing. Yeah, as we pushed off the pontoon to go out to race uh, in Sydney, uh, the two, our, our crew coach and uh, his number two, 
I remember seeing the look of total helplessness on their faces as we pushed off because they had put in as much or more time than we had. They hadn't necessarily sweated as much, but they the the effort they had put in to get us to a point. And then, you know, as a coach, you can do nothing. You have to sit back and watch um, and see whether people are actually going to execute on what you have pl- planned and prepared together. So, you know, I think from a coaching perspective, it's you know whether it be in sport or business, it's pretty tough to, to have the conversations and then watch as people either do or don't do what they said they're going to do and i imagine when you're the one out there actually performing you're probably so exhausted you probably sleep a lot better <laughs> than the, the coaches yeah i think uh, i yeah i think it's easier because you you the massive adrenaline rush you get you actually use in a kind of practical way whereas coaches are sat in a minibus with all the opposition coaches watching from a distance and they've got nothing no output for their for, for the adrenaline input they get so i think it's I think competing is always easier than watching from the sidelines, relying on other people. Ben, how do you make the book go faster? So, uh, um, so, 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 kind of within my business, and we've got well, I've got a small performance consultancy. There are ten of us full time, so I mean, it's a small business. We have a few things that we think are pretty key to enabling performance, and I guess that through my own competing, they were the kind of key things but also in the last 12 14 years i've worked with 20 different olympic sports and these things show up and working with i don't know how many businesses i've worked with over the last 20 years the same thing show up uh, so so for us i think the kind of clarity of direction is a really important start point whether in sport or business actually knowing what you're trying to achieve and, and in sport the difference between having a goal of you know, we're all aligned about it's qualifying or some of us think we're trying to qualify and some of us think we're trying to win. That is not a clear alignment. Uh, and the difference is significant. So the kind of clarity of direction about going, what is really most important? And then are we actually putting our time and energy? Is every conversation and discussion and decision, every action aligned to that goal? Or are we actually going to make a decision based on what's in front of me, what I've done before? on the fact that my ego is going to take over here or whatever else it might be. So, so the clarity of direction and execution on it is the first bit. The second bit is about, I think, separating out results and performance. Now, we're all here to deliver results. We get employed, any employee gets paid to deliver results. As a business person, we're trying to deliver results. As a sports person, we're trying to deliver results. But just chasing the results doesn't necessarily happen and help us rather. And judging ourselves on results doesn't necessarily help us either, because it's possible to get a good result having done a an average job, because we might get lucky. Or we might be in the situation where we perform in an outstanding way and we still don't get the results, because there's a whole lot of stuff that's out of our control. And just because we don't, don't get the result doesn't mean that we you know, we're not on the right track. So measuring ourselves on how we are actually doing, how well we're performing rather than the end output, I think is important. And then I think the third bit that's key is actually having the right team around you. Now, whether that be a intact sports team, business team, department, or whether actually be the uh, informal support team that we have as individuals to ensure that we can We've got the the energy, the focus, the support to do the things that we know we should do, even when we don't want to do them. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, the people we step onto the playing field with. It might be the people who are, you know, partners, parents, friends, 
who are there to support, encourage, and and help us get access different bits of our ability. So, so I think those three things are are really important when it comes to trying to make whatever shape or size our boat is actually go faster. I'd really like to touch on two of these um, three in additional detail because I think the point about alignment is really important. I've noticed a lot of the time it's not due to a lack of effort uh, that there seems to be a lack of results or growth. Everyone tends to be trying really, really hard and it's uh, specifically in a rowing boat there becomes this magical moment where all of a sudden someone's in sync and it just becomes to feel easy. Um, I'm wondering whether you have kind of examples of when your crews have got it right. And then again, that translates to the measuring side of things. It's easier in sport to say, you know what we're doing well because we went from A to B in this time and we have all these historic metrics like this is what it takes to win a gold medal. When it's less well-defined in the business environment, how do you know that you're aligned and how are you measuring to check against that alignment? So I think in terms of the sports perspective, with, with rowing, you can measure times and stuff and see whether you're making progress. But the, the crew, I said, nine of us were going to be on the lake in Sydney to race. But we had a team of 60 people. And if I take John, one of the boatmen, who was a builder, he didn't employ anybody. He was a classic one-man band who did kind of kitchen extensions and stuff. And he supported us as a volunteer. Um, he had a duty to look after our kit and drive it around the world. And he had done it in such a way that was, you know, perfectly good. But actually, when we started talking about, okay, so if we want to go from being an also-ran crew that struggled to make finals to a crew that could win, actually, not only did I need to behave differently, but John needed to behave differently. And he needed to have the ability and the courage that if he saw something, if he was part of a conversation and he didn't think we were having the conversation as well as we could do, if he thought we were not listening to each other as well as we should do, then he had to say, actually, you know, what I saw, what I heard was this, and what I think we need to do, what I think you need to do is. <clears throat> and getting to a point where everybody was going, you know, the, the base level is not good enough. We've got to be as good as we can the whole time. And if I see something that's not right, then I need to call it out. Because if I choose to say nothing, then we all lose. And so measuring boat speed is fine, but actually the quality of every single bit of communication the quality of every single action taken, is it actually to the right level? And everybody needed to have an input and be able to talk about it. And that's kind of where the alignment, I think, gets gets much harder. And within businesses, within sport, you have a finish line. You know where the lake is. You know what time you're going to compete. You know, two, four years out, you know where the, where, where it's, when it's going to be. But in business, where the finish lines are different, whether you're looking at a annual growth target, an annual revenue, annual profit, monthly profit, whatever it might be, making sure that within, within an organization, everybody's aligned and has a really good view of their part that they need to play in order to achieve the goals. I think that's where the alignment becomes incredibly important. So everybody involved in an organization understands the part they play, not just in you know, going through the finance stuff in an okay way but actually when they're in finance how are they doing it actually to help the whole business achieve the goals they want to achieve and that that's the critical alignment and maybe in, in your experiences Ilya because I, I think this this idea of if we're going to make the book go faster 
or you're going to achieve high performance in business. So we need clarity of direction, right? Or we need every action and, and goal, effectively every activity that we do to be aligned to that clarity of direction. You're effectively asking, will this make the boat go faster? Will this achieve the goal that we've set ourselves? And then the third thing that you're saying is around this idea of the, the team. So have you got the right people in there, the right departments, the right energy and focus? And more importantly, you've got a, created this environment that enables this encouragement of saying things that people feel free to be able to say, actually, that action or that conversation or the way that we just talked about that does not feed to the clarity of direction that we've just spoken to. Um, there's, there's like those three critical components in order to be able to achieve high performance. And then I just wonder if, if you get to, let's say we get to that nirvana because that is constantly ongoing activity, right? So as an individual, you're involved in that, but also then collectively as a team you are. How do you deal with, and you know, Ilya, we've seen this commonly, right? Where as we're growing and scaling teams, you're bringing in new people into that conversation. So they're getting used to what are the behaviors about how we should connect into it. And then the second thing is that sometimes there'll be different parts of the team that are moving faster towards that action than others. But perhaps this is the challenge around the qualify are, are we all aligned in the same direction some are there to be qualified and some are there to win in scaling high growth companies some are there just for a job and some are there are to deliver on the overall mission when you get into that situation do you see different behaviors in the team itself yeah definitely that's why sort of having those values clear and uh, agreed upon is so important because not only is it helps with alignment it also helps with making better decision makers and empowering the rest of your teams. Uh, to answer your final point, I think it's important to understand the history of where the management teams and what is the business coming from. Is it super early stage, an idea, concept that they, they can prove the technology works? So it's now all about getting out there, testing it with the market, testing all your hypotheses around the customer needs and taking that next step. But as then you become a revenue generating business that's ready to scale and increase the org in terms of sales and marketing, you then have to, again, refocus and recheck on your values. And I think that's the interesting things in, in a growing business. What works for you at a particular stage might not necessarily work for you at the next stage. So having that constant feedback and review, which I think the sporting environment does so well uh, in terms of video analysis, feedback, because the goals are so clear, is something that is an important from a startup perspective as it will have to reinvent itself through different phases and so will the management teams and the founders themselves will have to display different behaviors and characteristics yeah i i, I think that's a kind of really in, interesting point as businesses progress through certain phases so kind of the, the the first two points i mentioned earlier about kind of the first bit about kind of clarity of direction and the second bit about focusing on performance i think for that, you need to focus on two different things. The, the big picture bit, so what's most important? Okay, so if we're trying to, to get to a certain point, it won't be a linear path. It'll be a kind of zigzag path. And we've got to make sure we're still going in the right direction and doing the things to get us there. And then the performance bit is actually getting your head down and getting really into the detail, into the getting really curious about the recipe 
um, which requires kind of deep focus. And then you've still got to be able to lift your head up and go, so is this still taking us where we want to get to? And as organizations change, the people leading them have got to change. As we go through, as the market around us changes, there'll be different routes, different skills, different things that are needed in order to get us to, to various different places. And I think the ability to keep your eye on the ball whilst being able to adapt to the situations you're in, the situations around you, so you can continue to take whatever zigzag path to get to where you're trying to trying to get to, I think is is it's a really hard balance to get and and realizing that you have to change as an individual because in order to achieve what you want to achieve what you've done might have worked for a period of time but it's not going to work for the next period of time that's kind of that, that makes it hard and Siobhan in a previous conversation uh, with Ren you talked about the successful entrepreneurs are like sponges they have this learning mindset they're willing to learn and grow as a founder because you're learning and you're doing so much for the first time, there simply aren't enough hours in the day to absorb all the best practice. And I was wondering if you kind of give an example of how a launchpad and its support and practices can almost make that development journey easier for the founder and in essence, help them accelerate their business. Yeah, and it's almost like, I'm gonna take that second point, uh, clarity of direction and this focus on performance and everything's kind of of a journey. It's a it's an ultra marathon if you want. It is in some ways like the career then, right? It's over multiple years that things are happening. So you have to break that down into individual goals. So one of the areas that we do, Ben, is that we've got this idea of practices set up. So people who have been there before, who've gone through that journey, who know what that looks like, who know what that feels like, so that when we get someone that's new coming into our new portfolio company, it's like, okay, here's the expectations of the journey that you're going on. You've already got this big vision. Let's just break that down. Don't worry about a three-year goal or a five-year. Let's take that bigger vision, the clarity of direction. Let's break that down into what does that mean for performance within this next year. So it helps all of us to go in that direction whilst we figure out the next component. And there's having somebody who's been there before that has gone through those things just helps. And there's a second one, it helps, but it also means that we in some ways recognize, ah, we're here in this stage now. This is when it breaks down. This is the conversation that we need to have right now. I just wonder whether there's been times that you've seen that, you know, it's, it's a, that idea, the, the solo versus the team. Has there been times that you've seen individuals who are new coming onto the team or joining us and then they reach a crisis point or it feels like a crisis point for them? And how does, some of the other team members who have been through that before help them to engage in that so that you're still aligned into the performance goal. So I, I think so from, from a kind of sporting side, when, when we got new people into the group, whether it be a rower, a boatman, a coach, a physiologist, we were, we spent quite a lot of time kind of onboarding the person really effectively, getting really clear about actually what are we trying to do here and what's the process for achieving it. You know, not, not that, you know, we didn't know all the answers, but we thought that if we had the right process, the right culture, we would be able to ask the right questions and we'd then be able to figure out the right answers. 
So we spent a lot of time actually going through that so that we could accelerate the process as much as possible, the, 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 the getting alignment bit as well as possible. We also <clears throat> spoke to a lot of people who had done similar things before. So whether it be other British Olympic rowers, whether in fact we actually got hold of the um, we called the uh, Dutch coach who had coached the Dutch to win a gold medal four years earlier. Um, he, we asked him to come and help, and he I mean he 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 said no because he was still coaching the Dutch. But we we thought it was worth a try. You know we got hold of coaches from all sorts of different sports. We got we got some. Um, we got a, a handful of different business people and actually talked to us as well who had been through similar, where they were trying to set up cultures and change. We, we spoke to all sorts of people who could try and give us more, help us get curious about the, help us understand the, the ingredients, I guess. Um, and I think, you know, it seems like what Launchpad is trying to do about helping people understand the ingredients, the recipe for the success. Because if you're doing it, Scratch, starting from scratch and doing the whole thing yourself, it's kind of pretty hard. So learning from others, looking where we can get useful sources of information, I think it's, I think it's really important to accelerate the whole process. And I think a big example of that is when you're part of a portfolio or a cohort of companies, a lot of the learning you can do rather than from the investor, but from the other companies who are a slightly different stage, you can share those learnings and realizing Maybe you've, if you're a competitively minded person, you're in a way competing against those companies, but you're not competing for the same prize. There's almost this limitless pool of uh, value that you could all tap into. So actually helping each other and building each other up and sharing best practice across the portfolio companies, it's really what gives uh, you an edge when you're part of uh, a cohort. And, and Ilya, I also think that um, uh, leading a business even when it's a small business, if you do, you know, it can be quite lonely. So actually having other people who can say, yeah, I'm struggling with that as well, or, oh, what I do. So having uh, other kind of like-minded people who have got the same kind of challenges, same struggles with, I think makes it, makes it much easier. So, and hence what I said earlier about whether it be a formal intact team to support you or a wider network of people who you might be able to turn to and go, oh, I've got this particular problem. Have you experienced anything similar? And having that, that network, that team to help you to the next step is, is important. One problem that all businesses, everyone on the face of the earth experienced in the last year has been COVID. And uh, Ben, you've talked a lot about the importance of preparation and planning for success, but I'd like to touch on the importance in, in preparing for a crisis or when times are less good. And you see in sport that the teams that are able to sustain success over a significant period of time actually are the ones that plan for uh, these sort of high pressure situations in the background, whether if you're a football team and you get a red card, you know exactly what you'll do if you're down to 10 men or in rowing, if you're in the boat race, the good crews will train for oars clashing. So if it does happen, uh, you know exactly how you're going to respond and think calmly under pressure in those scenarios. Um, what's your experience for those the, the crisis mitigation and planning ahead of it? So we took um, planning, we took it really seriously. Um, 
whether it be whether somebody was ill or injured who could replace them, whether it be a bit of the boat broke, whether it be we're in a race and the Romanians are ahead or the Germans are ahead or it's you know raining, it's sunny, in all sorts of different conditions, what how would we respond? And and I think it's important for a couple of different reasons. So having a contingency plan in place is well, frankly, the more planning you do, the more flexible you become because you're used to looking at different options. So even when the unexpected happens, you're probably better able to deal with it because you've been through so many different scenarios. I think just having contingency plans in place, <clears throat> but also from a kind of emotional perspective, if something happens, you know, for us, a bit of equipment breaks, somebody gets injured or whatever, and you're you're kind of immediately hit by a bit of kind of panic. You're going, oh my, you know, what do I do now? You're not in a particularly resourceful place to actually do anything about it. Even if you know what the plan B is, but you're feeling devastated because plan A hasn't worked, then plan B you won't execute very well. So actually, from a personal perspective, what we also did was how will we feel when this thing happens? Not just what will we do in an operational sense, but actually... How will we feel about this thing rather than being taken by surprise, rather than being gutted and frustrated and angry? And actually, how do we need to feel so that we can execute plan B really, really clearly? And in which case you can take advantage of crises. You can take advantage of events because it might happen to other people. You might be able to deal re respond faster and more effectively than others. And it seems that in the last nine months, there are... I mean, there are some markets that have come out very well over the last number of months, but there are some organizations who have just been more adaptable, who have seized the opportunity. And there have definitely been opportunities, despite you know, everything else that's been happening. The people who have been flexible and ready have seemed to be able to adapt far quicker and have, have done better. So I think that the, the planning, the scenario planning um, is, is really important. Yeah, and it's it's a reflection from that point, but and I think boards and you will have that um, familiarity as well from some of the performance work you do as a, as a board for any of these companies. You have to constantly be thinking about sustainability, about crises, about how you will respond to it. But the second point that you raise there is, is something that's really important about the mindset of being in a resourceful state. So, you know, we had a previous, we had Ren on the previous um, podcast who is more of a, individual leadership coach and he really does talk about there are some entrepreneurs that have taken the last nine months and have looked at that and said whoa have you seen the opportunity that I see now within this so training yourself in some ways to get into that state that you're you react in a way that is okay got that got over that grieved about it now I'm in a resourceful state which part of the plan should I take and move forward with? So this goes back to what we said at the start of this conversation, clarity of direction. Every action is aligned to that direction. We are focused on performance. The conditions have changed, but we're still focused on the performance that we want to achieve during that, that kind of difference of conditions. I think something else that's um, a really interesting question at the moment is, so in... Uh... February, March, this crisis struck. Businesses behaved very differently. Some three months later, people were reporting a total absence of leadership. Some thought, well, we'll just hunker down and wait till things change and are probably struggling now. 
some adapted pretty quickly. That there are some organisations who managed to execute three-year business plans in three months. And actually, how some companies were able to adapt so quickly when normally things would have taken much longer, I think is a really interesting question. So how do, how do you actually, I think this crisis has taught quite a lot of organisations what changes, what, they, what, what they're capable of changing. Uh, and, and so how do we maintain a faster level of change based on you know, what we're trying to achieve as new things happen that might be much smaller, much, much kind of more minor compared to COVID? How do we still have a really fast change cycle uh, that has so many businesses shown that you know they can adapt, they can change? Yeah, I think what a lot of this has shown is just how few businesses truly know the ins and outs of their own business. And maybe that's because the management teams are so focused on working in the business rather than thinking strategically on the business. They don't have the opportunity to step back or the luxury to step back and reflect on actually, you know what, what are our main cost drivers? What are the conditions that we need in order to launch this new product? And being aware of all these variables and factors. And for example, from our portfolio uh, company perspective, we quickly realized that a lot of the way one of the companies was attracting customers were through conferences. When travel bans hit, there was no international conferences. And so what were the steps that you could take in through using digital marketing tools and being really targeted and focusing an account-based marketing approach to all of a sudden recreate those conversations that you'd have on the conference floor, but digitally and being aware of, and the other thing is being aware of the different tools and processes that you could do where you you never had to develop before. And that's why having a sort of a, a support team of practices and an investor that uh, has been there and done that can quickly accelerate you to step into an, an alternative way of carrying out your business. And, and can I ask a question? So, um, uh, Ilya, you said that working on the business rather than in the business was really important. And I think you said, you know, some people don't have the luxury of doing it. So within sport, it's you, know, you can only train a certain number of hours in the day, which means you do have time for, for planning. If you can keep your eyes open, you can, you can, you've got actual time in the day for planning. And in businesses, you know, running a small business myself, you talk, you know, the luxury of working on the business rather than in the business. But we know in order to grow, we have to work on the business. We can't be working in the business the whole time. Where have you seen leaders kind of do that really successfully where they're able to keep stepping back and working on the business and they see it as, as a necessity rather than a luxury where, where have you seen people able to do that i think it's a really um common trap especially during that founder to ceo transition where because you don't have the resources and everyone talks about starts early stage startups you're wearing many hats that founder is either also as well as being the CEO is working on product or sales. And if they were to all of a sudden to step back and be working the business as the CEO, the years of knowledge around the business that they have accumulated, you won't be able to replace that with just one person. And you'll potentially have to hire a whole number of people to carry out the job in the same way as the founder 
had been able to do. And if you're a cash constrained business, you don't necessarily have that luxury to hire several people. So, and that's where that shift, uh, and you see that with the successful startups, when they do are able to re uh, raise big rounds of venture capital money or other funding, and they are well capitalized, but they can step back having the confidence that their position in, in the business is secure and they can empower and onboard the right talent to uh, execute the tasks and free up the, the CEO to be working on the business. I think there's something about the third, going back to the start of the conversation, clarity of direction, focus on performance, the reaction is aligned to that. And do you have the right team, energy, people and culture tied to it? And it is, you know, where we've seen that do it well is that it's this uh, preparation and planning for knowing that through the reinvention journey of growing and scaling companies, at this stage, your team should look like this. So similar to what you just described to us is we're now moving from a, we just want to qualify to we actually want to win. We know there's a difference between those two things and when we're clear about what that difference is. So how are we resourcing ourselves individually and collectively to achieve that goal that we've collectively kind of agreed to? And the companies, this, this on versus in, I think there's a real role for the investor, for boards, in order to be able to support the CEOs, the founders of those companies, in helping to ensure those conversations either happen at the board level or they're happening at some point, ensuring that, you know, hey, have we got the right people to the table to have this? Have we got the right information? Is this the right time? So that you've got somebody that's constantly scanning the horizon versus someone who's actually in the day-to-day. -day. And that's the also the importance of humility in a founder, of knowing their own limitations and when they have to step back because the founders that taste success, uh, they have this incredible undentable ego to push through all the rejections and all the early failures. But that, and that's why that secret ingredient is humility in knowing that, you know what, it's time to let go. And maybe let go is the wrong phrase to use. It's time to adapt and change how to prioritize your focus and doing what's best for the business. Maybe we could use that point to just jump into Ben, you know, our last point for, for today, this idea of recovery, recovery and kind of like training, recovery in sports, but the on versus the in, is there any point at the founders, this adapt and change, you know, this concept of burnout and scale in, entre in entrepreneurs and, and in founders of the businesses, is there a way from your experiences of, you know, making the book go faster or talking with businesses that someone who's in the business can take a step back, can enable recovery? What does that look like in, in that context? If I can just use a sport example, first of all. So um, in um, 2006, 2005, when Britain's started bidding to host the London Olympics, there was a plan put in place of how of you know trying to get Britain to finish. I think it was top five in the medal table, and coming from a long way down, that would seem like 
quite an ambitious target. We got to Beijing and we were actually, I think, fourth then and thought, right, we're actually ahead of plan. London, we did incredibly well. More medals, more gold medals than we'd got before. And then UK Sport and Team GB turned around and went, right, okay, so the trajectory normally is you get more medals leading up to your home Olympics and then straight after your home Olympics, the medals tail off for all sorts of different reasons. How do we keep the trajectory going? How do we get more medals at a um, at the Olympics after our home Olympics? And um, people got their heads together and uh, came up with all sorts of different ideas. One of the key things that they acted on was recovery. The idea being that if across the board from sailing to boxing to rowing to gymnastics to diving if athletes and support staff could recover more effectively they could you could have a higher quality of thinking higher quality decision making and people could train harder so recovery was seen as one of the cre- one of the key ingredients so there was a lot of done a work done at on quality of sleep. How do you actually improve the quality of the sleep you get so the next day you can make better decisions? A whole load of work done on food, uh, you know, nutrition intake. When when are the best times to take on food? And how do you actually make sure you have proper downtime throughout the day, throughout the week? And there'll obviously be harder weeks and easier weeks, but how do you get a cycle going? And I think that within business, you know, we'll all have really hard weeks. We'll have really tough weeks, but you you've got to figure out what are the best ways for you to recover, and uh, you know why we sleep uh, is a fantastic book that kind of explains a whole load of stuff around what we should be doing to try and make sure we get enough sleep so that we can be healthy and also be more effective with what we do. There's all sorts of different information out there, and you know we're all you know slightly different, and different things will work for us, but just running yourself ragged so your the quality of decision making goes down is not the correct answer and looking you know doing a bit of research to to know how to get the best out of yourself as a founder or business leader and how to enable other people to get the best out of themselves and yeah there'll be times where we get the balance wrong and we've got to work our asses off but but it's not sustainable if you want to make good decisions it is not sustainable so recovery is incredibly important to aid good quality decision making going forward that's potentially quite an important nugget to end on what makes the boat go faster sometimes slowing down is in fact sports people do recovery sessions you know to to aid you know there are all sorts of different things that can be done and you know just being flat out the whole time is not is not the answer Ilya, I love the point that sometimes making the goat bow faster is effectively just slowing it down a little bit, taking some time and, and space to think. If we reflect on what has been the essence for our conversation over this particular kind of podcast, what makes the goat go faster? I mean, we've learned sometimes slowing that down does it, but effectively clarity of direction, uh, focus on performance, have every action aligned to that particular goal, ensure you've got the right team and, and energy and the individuals and, and the skills and adapt that team and those skills to whatever the situation is. So you're constantly reinventing um, and bringing the right resources depending on the change of con- 
conditions that are might be out there. So that's that's kind of what we've heard here. But maybe Ben, if there's any other advice you would have to founders or CEOs out there that as they're thinking about how do I achieve, you said three years of business plans in three months or uh, launchpad, we go to five years of growth in two. If you had a singular piece of advice for them, what would that be? I don't think it'd be anything different from what we said previously. I think that the piece about kind of clarity of direction and alignment is, you can put nicely in a sentence or two. And actually to get it, to have really good clarity and really good alignment is actually quite hard to do. And it is worth spending every single minute that it takes. We don't actually know when the next Olympics are, but let's pretend we, you know, we know whether when the 2024 Olympics are, we know, you know, everybody who's going to be trying to compete, they know where the venue is. Business clearly is not like that. It's more complex. It is different. And the more complex things get, the more important it is to have clarity on really what's most important, really what are you trying to do? And spending time whilst scaling, while setting up, while growing, spending time ensuring that clarity is as good as it can possibly be and the alignment is as good as it can possibly be. I've come across very, very few organisations who have overdone the messaging and the alignment piece. I don't think I've ever seen it happen. So spending time on that, you know, I say it's easy to write off in a couple of sentences, but that's not the answer. Can everybody in your organisation describe the direction to you the way you would like to hear it? Because if they can't, then you've got more work to do. What would you say? And then if I were to go and ask, you know, the next 10 people I meet when I walk out the door, what would they tell me? You know, it, it, it's, it's a hard thing to get right. And time spent on it is not time wasted. From our experience, from both as an investor and founder, you always get told, well, what's your business plan? It's like, well, there isn't a business yet to have a business plan, but the actual act of writing one is so essential. And even the best laid plans turn out to not go to plan and planning is useless, but the act of planning tends to be essential, I think is the famous quote. And the bit at the top of the page, which is the direction, this is what we're trying to do. The planning to get there, who knows, but the direction is really what's needed, I think. And that is awesome. Ben, if we wanted to get hold of the, you know, I think you've written a lot of stuff in this space. Where would we be able to go to get that? So you could either go to Amazon or you could go to my website. The book is called Will It Make the Boat Go Faster? And my website's called Will It Make the Boat Go Faster? And I know, Siobhan, you've been erring on Will It Make the Goat Go Faster? But it is the boat that we're after. And so it's, it's pretty easy to find. Excellent. That's where I need to go to get the boat to go faster. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ilya. Another kind of phenomenal, insightful, lots of lessons to go away and have a think about. Thanks, everyone.